it. Welcome to Strata Stories. My name is Thomas Schreiber, and I'm the Director of Marketing here at Strata. Strata is a single EMR platform and a revenue cycle management service for physical, occupational, and speech therapy practices it helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. On today's episode, Paul Singh, the CEO of Strata, talks with Roger Kirsten, a PT and a co-owner of One PT in Traverse City, Michigan. Roger was born in the Netherlands and has built nine clinics throughout his 31-year career. Paul and Roger dive deep into how to find referral sources outside of doctors, making sure you don't become too reliant on one particular source, why physical therapists must be better at promoting the industry as a whole, and how to start building your network in the PT space. If you'd like to learn more about Strata and see how our EMR and RCM works, head over to stratapt.com to book a demo. Now, without further delay, here's today's episode. So we talk about marketing. First of all, I think that many of my colleagues have kind of a bad taste in their mouth about marketing. If you talk about marketing, they instantly have some kind of salesperson imaging in their head that flashes in their head. And I, I think that's just so wrong. I look at marketing as promoting physical therapy. That's how what I'm looking at. And the reason I want to promote physical therapy is because it's underutilized and physical therapy is very effective and it's very cost effective. So I feel like it's my duty to promote physical therapy and, and with it, obviously, my practice. But for me, there's no barrier to talking to people about physical therapy. I mean, if they're my patient, I have no barrier. And all of the other people that I talk to that are not my patients eventually will probably be or should probably be. So I feel it's my responsibility to go out and talk to people. Now, so that's one part of the puzzle. The other part of the puzzle is that I really feel like we should be talking to consumers directly. I think consumers should have unfeathered access to physical therapy directly. And that means that if we are promoting physical therapy, we should be talking to consumers directly. How does that translate, right? So I, when I think about marketing, I really divide it into two separate elements. One is basically your whole digital experience from your website to what you're doing on Google to what you're doing on Facebook, all of those things and maybe other, other things, LinkedIn, all of that. That's your kind of your digital footprint. And I think you need to organize that really well and you need to align that with, you know, what your brand is about. I think that's super important. But to a large extent, you need to either outsource that or have someone that's specialized in doing those things. For me, at least, that's well outside of the realm of my expertise, not out of the realm of my interest. I'm very interested in it, and I think they're very important vehicles for promoting physical therapy and for promoting my business. I really hire expert people in to take care of that for me and make sure that it's consistent with what I want to put out there as a brand, right? So that's the one part. The other part of it is the direct kind of promotion that I do, which is boots on the ground. And, you know, the traditional way, you know, I go back 30 years and we would just go to, uh, you know, the doctors in town and feed them lunch and basically try to get them to refer patients to us. But we're well beyond that at this moment. We're in a transition in the U.S. for sure, right? We're not to the point where I think we should be, but we're on our way there. And it's certainly very different than what it was 30 years ago when I started practicing, where we had to basically have the referral. Otherwise, we couldn't even talk to the patient. 
That's very, very, very different. And we as a profession are not capitalizing on that. We are just not. We're too timid. We're too shy. We're not promoting ourselves. And we're certainly not collectively like investing time, energy, and money in promoting phys- uh, physical therapy as a first line, you know, provider for musculoskeletal problems. And as a result, we have two big problems. Number one is people don't know what we do and why they should come to us first. Okay. So that's the public awareness problem. And the other problem that we have is a reimbursement problem. If our healthcare system doesn't see us as the premier first line providers for musculoskeletal problems, we'll have downward pressure on reimbursement and Medicare will go and cut physical therapy and cut physical therapy year after year after year. Whereas, I mean, there's ample evidence out there that investing in physical therapy reduces healthcare costs in the United States, in the Western world, everywhere where it's measured, it has that effect on healthcare. But if we're not forming enough of a group that can push those effort, those topics forward, we're just on the losing end of it, especially if we're grouped together with like, you know, the big physician uh, lobby. So those are the results of us not going out there and promoting ourselves sufficiently. And I do that in my community on my scale. And the way it really looks is that, you know, I love to do luncheons at doctor's offices and I do them on occasion because I feel that that's important also, but that's really not the bulk of my effort. The bulk of my effort is really talking to anyone in the health and wellness space that could be a good referral source for me. And by and large, they're massage therapists, yoga teachers, Pilates teachers, personal trainers, chiropractors, a lot of different people in that space. And we really, uh, acupuncturists, you really should be talking to those people. They're far more accessible to us than physicians tend to be. They're much more open to communicate with us And they become really great referral sources because I have an opportunity to talk to them about the patients I want to see and the ones that I don't want to see. So it's really an ideal environment for me. As a comment, I'll just say that, you know, I'm a weirdo and everywhere I go, I like to ask people random questions, even if I don't know them. One of the interesting things is, is that when I ask people, just normal people at a Starbucks, like I'm that weird guy that goes to Starbucks and while I'm waiting at the pickup counter, like I'll just make conversation with the person next to me. It's sort of like, um, I've just been doing it for years. And anyway, one of the questions I'll ask is like, Hey, not a trick question. What do you think physical therapy is? Now this is totally anecdotal, but I've probably had 50 of these conversations over the last year now with random people here in Northern Virginia. I'll say, Hey, what do you think physical therapy is? By and large, the average person in my non-statistical survey here believes that physical therapy is this thing that you do after you get hurt. So then the follow-up question is, yeah, yeah, okay, so you got hurt. How do you get there? By and large, this anecdotal set of answers comes back with, I guess I just go to the doctor first, figure out what's wrong, and then they tell me where to go. They basically believe that from now, obviously, not every state allows direct access. I get that. But just in my non-scientific survey here, there's this perception that physical therapy is something I do after I get hurt, maybe not necessarily before or while it's hurting or while it's happening or whatever. Now, I guess the question I'd ask you is, is that this is really interesting. You're talking about building referral relationships with people other than doctors. Really fascinating. To the extent that you're able to share, what does that actually look like? Are you giving them something like, you know, let's just use that massage therapist. 
So what does that look like? You're talking to a massage therapist. Well, what I will do is I will hear from a patient, oh, you know, I mean, I wrote down someone's name today, like a chiropractor. So I will call them up and I say, hey, you know, we have a patient in common and I just want to uh, meet with you face to face and, you know, see what we can do for one another. That's how I start the conversation. And then I set it up. Usually I'll be like, hey, I, you know, I have this time slot. Are you available? I'll bring you coffee or something. And then I'll go by Starbucks and get a couple of coffees and head over there. And usually what's interesting about this is that it is a very unusual occurrence for a massage therapist or a chiropractor for a physical therapist to contact them directly and want to meet with them for creating a relationship that benefits, you know, the community. And I find that in, in those professions, many, many of the people that are, are working in those professions have a big heart for, you know, healthcare, for helping people and so on and so forth. So there's a big kind of like an open arms reception, a very easy way to get in. And, you know, we'll spend half an hour, sometimes an hour talking about what I do with patients. And I, I'm, I'm a very hands-on physical therapist. I'm very manual therapies oriented PT. So that dovetails really well with people like chiropractors and massage therapists. And so we have like stuff to talk about <laughs> that they encounter, that I encounter, how I deal with it. How, and out of that conversation, I, I always try to kind of point them in the direction of the types of patients that I want to see. So we'll talk about specific things like shoulder conditions and knee conditions and how I address that and how that may be different from what they're doing. It can lead into situations where they're like, oh, you know, you need to see Roger for this and you need to see me for that. And then we co-treat. That happens a lot, especially with like massage and chiropractic. I promise I'm not trying to stroke your ego here. I, the reason I find this so fascinating is amongst practice owners, I think there's this perception that these efforts are complicated, that building these relationships are complicated, time-consuming, huge, heavy lifts. And I don't mean to minimize what you're doing or to stroke your ego too much, but what you're outlining seems pretty straightforward. To your point, you're time blocking essentially four hours a week to this and you're doing it and you know it's working for you. I guess what I'm just saying is in most industries, including healthcare, including PT, I think there's this perception that these are heavier lifts than necessary. Yeah, very simple. Yeah, you just need to do 5% more than the competitors just to get your name out there. I mean, it's a war for awareness, a war for attention to get these people to understand that you exist. I was actually, again, I admit I'm a weirdo. I was at the local car wash here in Virginia. And turns out I saw a van going through the same car wash. This is one of those like fancy-ish car washes. I guess that's like the new thing now where you like put your car through the tunnel and you have to wait there in that little sitting area. Sure enough, the car coming in right behind me was one of those little sprinter vans and it had all these logos about mobile therapy on it. And so here I am sitting with this person and you know, I was like, hey, full disclosure, this is what I do, da 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 and so I said, hey, how are you getting customers? And I thought it was really fascinating. What she said was like, here in Northern Virginia, where I'm at, she specifically targets 55 and up neighborhoods. And she contacts the HOAs, the homeowners associations, and gives them essentially $300 worth of like pastries and coffees per month. She offers to deliver to the, like, you know, most neighborhoods here have like non-solicits or whatever. Uh, so you can't just like walk around and sell stuff. So actually, the way she does it is, is she goes to all these HOAs and says, hey, I'm just giving away coffee. I'm not selling anything. I'm not going to solicit anybody. And she got their approval to once a month go through these neighborhoods and put like a sealed pastry and like a 
what do you call it, like a $5 gift card from Starbucks on all these doors. And it's a non-zero expense, right? But the fact is, is it says with compliments from so-and-so mobile therapy. And, you know, on the back, it talks about shoulder pain and challenges with walking and stuff like that and a free consultation. And I was like, hey, I'm not trying to be rude. This sounds like the ice cream truck. Like the ice cream truck knows on a hot day that if they drive down the street and my kids hear the noise, (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter whether I want to save five bucks. Now I got my kids coming after me saying I want five bucks. And so I just thought it was really fascinating that it wasn't like a complex, heavy thing. She was just doing something when most of the other competitors were doing nothing. And again, there's a compliment in there somewhere for you. Like I said, most people don't think about it this way. I think that we need to just accept and develop some awareness of that we are not in the greatest position as physical therapists in the minds of our patients, which are the consumers, okay? I mean, I do a lot of shoulders, and it's common for me to have a shoulder patient complain about something else, let's just say a knee problem. I'll say, oh, well, you know, when I'm done with this, I'll take a look at your knee, and they'll be surprised and say something along the lines, oh, I didn't know you did knees as well. I mean, that's where we are, right? And it's like, every time I'm a little surprised still, but I shouldn't be. And that is where we need to take our learnings. We need to we need to look and see where we are in the minds of the public, okay? And if that's not where we want to be, and I think it is not, it's up to us to change that dynamic, to change that thought process. And the only way to do that is by talking to people and by having people experience what you do. And, you know, what I think is that waiting in your clinic for patients to come through the door, is just not going to be enough. It also, I mean, as a business owner, that feels like a vulnerability, hoping that through the process of whatever I'm doing, whether it's, you know, marketing or turning out patients that are happy with the care, that somehow is going to just keep my business growing the way I want it to grow. It's, it gives me a sense of loss of control. And when I go out there every week and I talk to people, okay, and I see the fruits of my labor because next the week after that, I get a referral from that, it gives me a sense of control. And I mean, I may be overly sensitive to that, but first of all, it works. It only costs me time. It's enjoyable to do. And it gives me a sense of better control over my front end of my business to getting the new patients through the door, which is our lifeblood, right? Right. Yeah, that's such a should be not a unique viewpoint, but I think it is unique, unfortunately, in this industry. I think that a lot of people that I've met over the years kind of, let's just say things are working, right? They sort of just, oh, it's just working. I've got people referring to me, you know, I'm sponsoring the local little league, whatever it might be. But what they don't know is that if they don't take control of it, then they're actually at the mercy of a lot of unknown effects that could occur later. Like, let's say, somebody else opens up a practice in town and actually embraces marketing. For example, they could have their lunch eaten, literally and figuratively, you know, before they ever saw it coming. So very, that last point you just said there, I think is super valuable. I mean, all this valuable, but that's super valuable point that if you don't take charge of your own marketing or take ownership of your own marketing as a practice owner, you might be okay, but only until somebody else steps in and actually builds those underlying relationships. The mercy of everybody else around you, the clearest example, I mean, we talk to practice owners, most practice owners have experienced, oh, you know, I have this great referral source, everything is going great. And, you know, if they run their statistics, they're seeing that like 30% of their business, sometimes even more, 
depends on a single referral source, usually practice with one or two actively referring physicians. And that's great until they get bought out by the hospital and the hospital says now all the referrals come to the hospital. Right. Or they start physical therapy practice. And then all of a sudden they lose like overnight, they lose like literally 30% of their business. For me, I can tell you that it would be not survivable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, if I would run my statistics and I would see that 30% of my business is relying on one relationship, I would get very nervous about that. And I would go and, you know, figure out a strategy to make that not so. So for me, you know, this is the 10th clinic that I've opened. And I've from day one said, I'm just not going to be reliant on a single referral source. I mean, I'd love to have doctors referring to me just like on the other practice owner, but I'm not going to build my business on that. Plus, you know, I have a certain growth plan. I'm not a status quo f- a physical therapist. I want to move this clinic to something bigger than what it is today with more providers and have a different role for myself within that group as a mentor and as a team leader. In order to get there, um, I need to grow. And the only way I'm going to grow is if I have a strategy to grow and this is part of my strategy, what we're talking about today. Right. Yeah. By the way, comment and then uh, maybe another comment. But like that point you just made about, you know, if you've got more than 30% of your referrals coming from one source, that alarms you. I think that's really, really fascinating. And I agree. The other side of this also is, is that like you're talking about growing, you know, and the thing is that like what people sometimes don't understand, and this is true of all industries, not just healthcare, but Every business has a certain churn attached to it. Could be 3%, 5%, 50%, whatever it is. And that churn is fundamentally like, are you losing customers? And that could be whether they don't come back, whether they don't complete the course of care, whatever it might be. And what people don't understand about churn is that it can compound very quickly in either direction. It can compound in a positive way that's good for your business. It can just as easily compound the other way. So an example that would be like, and I'm making this up on the fly, but like, Let's just use standard tech businesses as an example, and then we'll come to healthcare. If a, let's call it a consumer business or a a B2B business churns 5% of its customers per month, on paper, that doesn't look so bad, except when you zoom out and you say, wait a second, if they churn 5% of their customers every month, and over the course of 12 months, that means 60% of their customers churn, what that means is, is that just in order to grow, they have to earn back those customers first, and then anything above that is growth. And it's very similar here in healthcare too. You know, it's like, I mean, you get it, but I think it's just a point that people don't understand, especially practice owners these days, is that that churn number is one of the key, I would say, one of the top three or four metrics that every practice should be looking at. And they don't. The way it translates, I think, very well in, you know, with physical therapy is that, you know, for the most part, the relationship ends when you discharge someone, whether they you know, are discharged because they're done with the plan of care, or whether they stop coming in for one reason or another, the relationship kind of ends there. And there's very few practices that actually, you know, maintain that relationship afterwards. For me, that's where technology comes in, because there's a number of different ways you can stay, you can keep people engaged. And, you know, to some extent, top of mind, we think it's natural for a patient that gets discharged to come back for another condition, but it's far from it. And you don't know what sticks in someone's mind after they're done with the care, even if they're super satisfied and they give you a five-star review on Google, you know, six months out, where are they? What do they remember, you know, from your practice? 
Is that something you're willing to talk about a little bit too? Like how do you, to the extent that you're willing to share, how do you practically do that? I'll be very open about it. I haven't solved that issue yet. So I think there's a number of different vehicles out there with regards to uh, newsletters and different ways, but I I think it can be more sophisticated and I think it can be more automated. Uh, That's what I'm looking at because I, I want to be careful with how I invest my time and energy with regards to, you know, promoting my business. I think for me, it's a little bit of a, it's something that I haven't figured out how to optimize yet. Let me put it that way as an important issue. And that's something that needs to be addressed, but I haven't found a a complete solution to it where I feel like I'm really on top of that. And I have some control over top of mind for people when they sprain their ankle after they've come to see me for a shoulder and go like, Roger, that's where you need to be. I won't let the cat out of the bag, but you and I have had these conversations too about some experiments we'll run behind the scenes here. But I won't let the cat out of the bag, but just in this vein, what I'll just say is that this idea of how do you stay top of mind with your core audience, your core customer base, this is not an innovation problem. This is an entrepreneurial problem. And what I mean by that is, is that this particular problem has been solved in nearly every other industry. And within healthcare itself, again, not letting the cat out of the bag, not trying to throw any other companies under the bus. I think that some of the solutions, if they exist at all in the healthcare space, are overly complex for the average practice owner. The economics don't work. And the implementation that is provided wouldn't last five seconds in any other industry. So, you know, and I'm just kind of alluding to things like retargeting, remarketing, more effective pay-per-click spend, And even in our product, actually, in a couple days, I won't date this recording, but a couple days from today, actually, we're getting together as a product team to talk about some of the updates we can make to all patient-facing pages to help power some of that. I'll leave it there, but I think that this idea that you're talking about in terms of staying top of mind and and all that, like how, how do you stay engaged, these are solved problems. I mean, sorry, one other example, just as a cliche. I live in Northern Virginia. I got my friends joke that I got 99 kids. So like somebody always has a birthday in this house. We'll make cakes and stuff like that. But what's fascinating is, is for example, you know, there's a here locally, there's a company that does a yard sign. They know that we always call. It's like every month there's a yard sign in front of my house. Somebody's birthday, somebody's anniversary, somebody. Well, it's a husband and wife team locally, two people with like four contractors. And it's not rocket science. These guys clearly are targeting us with a drip campaign of emails that drops in every month. I know for a fact it is not customized for me. They are not doing it manually. I'm just one of their many clients. And in their email marketing software, it just has a pre-written drip sequence that's coming out to me. And it just reminds me, oh, yep, I got to do that. Yep, Henry's birthday's coming up. Eva's birthday's coming up. Anniversary's coming up. And I just hit that button right away. But you see this in e-commerce. I mean, even the local Bunt Cake store does this. When we think back to like how we started a conversation about the underutilization of physical therapy, this is part of it, right? We don't have enough private practices and the private practices that we have are not run according to how most small businesses are run for success. They're somewhat lazy, right? Hey, you know, I'm doing fine. Okay. I can pay my mortgage. Everything is going okay. Status quo. Let's keep our fingers crossed that my referral source doesn't be like get bought out. That is kind of the attitude. And 
it strikes me we can do so much better, okay? And doing much better means that people have access to their healthcare, okay? Let's not forget that. We are actually not selling bunt cakes. We are selling health and wellness, okay? So we should be even prouder to kind of investigate, hey, who has solved this problem that I have and how can I integrate that into my business? That does take you stepping out of your treatment room and working on your business instead of in your business. And it's often, you know, that's a commonly said thing, but very few people, very few of my colleagues are practicing that. And it's at the detriment of their growth and development, but it's also at the detriment of, of healthcare that they're providing, right? They could be providing more of it, okay? Um, and I think that's what we should be striving towards. I see that too, where I'm like, wow, we could be doing a lot better as an organization. Why do I only, when I look out and try to find a partner for, you know, marketing for this or that or for solving this problem. Why is it so hard to find, like, you know, an affordable option for me? These are some of the things that I think about. Yeah, well, and, you know, you and I have sort of talked about this offline, but I think maybe we're going a little off topic here, Thomas, so keep me honest here, but let's just talk about marketing within the PT space for a moment. I think there's a lot of smart people out there and they run great businesses that you know of and that I know of that try to sell services to help market local practices. But philosophically, I think that when your incentives are misaligned, that's a recipe for disaster. And, you know, you again, you and I have talked about this privately, but the gist of it is, is that I think that in particularly in this case, what we're talking about here, you've got a lot of marketing consultants and companies within the healthcare and the PT space right now that are perfectly comfortable charging relatively high monthly retainers whether it's for their time or for their software or whatever, but they stand to lose nothing if they misdirect the spend of your pay-per-click budget or misconfigure your email and stuff like that. And that doesn't make them bad people. But again, it's like Charlie Munger once said that, show me a man's incentives and I'll show you what they do. And it's one of the, my favorite lines. It's absolutely true. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble here a little bit, probably, uh, there's that other old saying of like, you know, beg for, uh, never ask for permission, but uh, be ready to beg for forgiveness. In the short term, when I think about our product, particularly our patient-facing pieces of our product, you know, we're having a call later this week to kind of start talking about what those touch points look like, what they look like, technically what I want them to be able to do in order to facilitate some of these other things you and I have talked about. But longer term, if I could pontificate here for a second, the reality is, is that a growing number of people in this country are wearing a device on their arm, like an Apple Watch or an Android or a Garmin or a Fitbit or whatever, that is every day calculate or tracking their movements, tracking a fall, tracking changes in their gait, things like that. And just as an example, I'll just use myself, even though I'm just one data point. I just finished a marathon this couple days ago from this recording. That's totally irrelevant to the conversation. But the point is, when I look down at my Apple Watch afterwards, the time is not fascinating to me. I mean, yeah, it's fine that I hit my time and all that. What's really fascinating to me is that the Apple Watch Ultra 2 tracks a lot more data around my gait, steps per you know feet. I mean, there's just like 30 different variables there. And the point is, where I'm going with this is, in terms of product pontification, is that in the long term, as we think about our product evolving, we need to sort of incentivize patients to connect that data to their EMR to give you, for example, not only the ability to have a better understanding, now it's not just subjective, how are you feeling and how does your hip feel, but perhaps maybe more objectively say, 
well, let's look at your steps per 100 feet last week and how that compares to when I saw you a month ago or whatever it is, right? But it also then transitions into this marketing conversation we're having. If our system knows that you might have had a fall or uh, did something very strenuous that is very out of the out of the norm, what if we do a push notification, you know, a day later to say, how are you feeling? Would you like to schedule an appointment? And I know that's hand wavy. I know that somebody listening to this is going to say, well, what about eligibility or verification? I know they're going to ask all these questions. But just if we're pontificating here, we're just talking high level of like, the fact is, is that PT, I think, if you don't mind me just summarizing your view on this, because I think this is what you're saying and tell me if I'm wrong. I think what you're saying is, is that in the bigger picture, in the grand scheme of things, in the broader view of PT, the industry has a marketing problem in the sense that it's not well known why you go to a PT. My unscientific survey seems to indicate that even myself, I didn't think I was supposed to go to a PT unless I actually hurt my hip and then talk to my primary care physician and then go see. But I live in Virginia, for example, where I didn't know that I'm allowed to go directly to the local PT for up to 60 days. Again, the purists on listening to this are going to tell me every, every way I'm wrong here. But anyway, is that a fair summary, though, of what your position is, that PT as an industry kind of has a, a marketing problem? Yeah, that's exactly a, a, a public perception problem, which means it's a marketing problem. Yeah. Because it's the marketing, it's the promotion, it's the way, the education, the way we talk about our profession that will change that or not. And that's where we are. We're silent. We're silent. Absolutely. One last question on this, because I, I think this is so fascinating. And I think it's important that people just kind of also keep understanding that like what you're doing is not innovative in the sense that like it's not, and please don't take this the wrong way, but like the fact that you're doing something immediately makes you instantly more successful than the vast majority of other practices. And I think what I'm trying to get to is this tactical set of things people do. And we can edit this out if you don't want to talk about this. But now as you talk about building these relationships with other referral sources and stuff like that, one of the inevitable questions people listening are going to say like is, well, where do I go? How do I do that? You know, who, who are those people? In one of our previous conversations, you talked about the fact that you joined certain local groups and you go to those on, I think, Wednesday mornings and stuff like that. I guess the question I would ask is like, you've talked about what other referral sources you're building relationships and stuff like that. You've talked about all these things, you know, can you talk a little bit about like where you go locally in your region to actually find those people? I get the question if you haven't done it yet, but as soon as you do it, you get it. Because it's it's basic networking, and networking is a human trait. That's not for people that are savvy business people. It's just a human trait. It's one person connecting to another. And the way I have done it specifically is I have joined and paid for a networking group that meets once per week. They're called BNI. They're all over the world, actually. Um, and it's a franchise concept that was started in the United States, and it was started to bring together small business owners to refer business to one another, to create essentially network. And it works really, really well. I'm maybe not the most common kind of BNI participant because I like going out and talking to other people. Most people that join BNI have a barrier to networking. They do it to force themselves to go to a meeting, to talk about their business. You know, you have to do this one minute commercial, they call it. 
basically promote your business in one minute. And a lot of people, especially when they first start, are awkward. Okay. But everyone there understands because everyone's been in the same position. You know, these people become, you know, maybe your friends, at the very least acquaintances. You get lots of personal satisfaction out of it because, you know, you have people of all different professions that are in these groups. So BNI has an exclusivity situation. So if you're the, the physical therapist in that group, you have a veto over if another physical therapist wants to come, they basically can't. You can tell them, no, I don't want them in that group because I'm already there. You develop relationships over a long period of time. People stay in these groups for a long period of time. And it's a great way to start because it's super simple. It's super simple. My group meets Wednesday from 11.15 to 12.15, and you just have to show up. But you do have to show up. They take attendance, and it's serious. If you don't show up, they throw you out of the group. And they should because it's about building the process. So right there, I mean, think about who needs physical therapy. It's basically everybody at some point. As soon as people get to know that you know what you're talking about, You'll have them talking to you about, oh, you know, my wife has this problem. Could you, yeah, just bring her in. Let me have a, you know, take a look at her. So it's a very, very low barrier way for you to get started. And from that, the brilliance of these groups is not so much that you're meeting 20 or 30 people there that could be your patients or their loved ones could be your patients, but every person that's there has a network. Yeah. Again, unscientific survey here, but, um, so again, I live in Virginia. I knew you were gonna we were gonna talk about this, or I was hoping we were gonna talk about this. So I actually Googled, so there's like four different BNI groups in this region just because of the density of Virginia and close to DC. Anecdotally, just all these groups publish their member lists. Every one of the member lists in our area is full of plumbers and roofers and mortgage brokers and whatever. In the four groups that are within a 20-minute drive of my home in Virginia, not a single PT practice is represented. Yeah, and it's a shame because it's low-hanging fruit. It's low-hanging fruit. And the, to join this, it looks like the local one here is maybe, uh, looks like 150 bucks a month. Maybe I'm misreading that. Maybe it's 150 a quarter. I don't quite understand yet. But we're not talking about a lot of time. It's one Wednesday a month or whatever. It's less than a thousand bucks a year. If you look at it purely economically, and if even if you add in like your time that you're there, it's an easy win. And remember, it leads to all sorts of other, you know, I get calls from people that are, you know, network of network of network. I mean, and that's how this works. So that's the one thing that I do. The other thing I do, I just keep my ears open and I talk to my patients. Really simple. And they'll come in and they say, my massage therapist said, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, who's your massage therapist? Yep. And if I don't know them, I write down their name. And then, you know, over lunch, I, I give the massage therapist a call. It's the, it's the furthest from brain surgery as you can get. This is really, really tough. Well, that's just it. Yeah. I'll just wrap this part of the topic up by just saying that I'm not trying to be anybody's Tony Robbins or whatever. But the reality is that I think people misunderstand what luck is. They think, oh, well, Roger just got lucky or so-and-so just got lucky. When in fact, there's a lot of research around this, that this idea that like luck is really proportionate, what we perceive as luck really is less about chance and more about what I would call surface area. So if you put yourself in these positions to be able to meet people, to say hello, to shape their ideas in your own, that surface area of possible opportunity increases. And the result of that is what other people perceive as luck. From a very like everyday 
perspective how this works, you know, I always ask when I meet with a massage therapist or a chiropractor, hey, do you know of anyone else I should talk to? If they haven't brought up, hey, you should talk to so-and-so or she, that's how, you know, one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. You just have to get started. I'm not even all that sure that it matters how you do it. It just matters that you do it. And I think consistency rules, right? You have to commit to like doing it. Not one time. I mean, you don't go to a BNI meeting one time and and expect to get all these patients out of it. It's that's the brilliance of of BNI. It commits you, right? <laughs> so, um, but you know that it does so because it works, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the easiest thing to do is to just join a BNI group because, like you said, there's no, you know. I'm curious in that BNI in those BNI groups, did you see chiropractors? I don't like. I got them open in tabs right here. So this is my. I'm scrolling through the list. I don't see any of them. I see roofers, plumbers, mortgage guys, gals. Yeah, I love those. Those are all patients, man. They fall off the roof and, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, I mean, this is gold too, because I think that so many conversations are hand wavy and not really full of anything that you can do anything with. And I don't want to like say anything that is inappropriate here, but you said this is your 10th clinic and I've seen your revenue. I mean, you're growing month over month and it's not luck. <laughs> it's not It's not accidental. There's a method to that madness and um, you've got it time boxed now down to half a day. So that's really great. And again, let's think about this in the context of the profession, right? I mean, we're in the crazy lucky position that what you're selling is helping people to live better lives. I mean, it doesn't get better than this, Right. You're busier, you're making a living for yourself, you're creating like a better environment, you're bringing in people that can work for you. If you're more successful, you can maybe pay them a little bit more, okay, because they're helping you achieve this success. And all the while you're doing this for yourself and for the people you work with, you're providing an important part of healthcare that is not pharmaceutical, that is not surgical, and that's not overly expensive. I mean, I don't know where else it exists in healthcare. It's really an extraordinary opportunity that we have as a profession. It bugs me that we're not taking this more seriously and pushing this more. It really does. It bugs me. I think about it every day. Thanks for listening to another episode of Strata Stories. Strata is a single EMR platform and revenue cycle management service for physical, occupational, and speech therapy practices that helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. If you'd like to learn more about Strata and see how our EMR and RCM works, head over to stratapt.com to book a demo.